You have arrived at your destination. This episode was recorded before the live stream. It was delayed for technical difficulties. It is now available so ignore the live stream talk but we are still taking donations to the end of the year so feel free to donate for Norton Children's Hospital. On with the show. Your dog's fat. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, she ate a lot of food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that seems to be happening a lot lately. Yeah. Probably lock up her food and uh, yeah. I guess we have to go get some big Rubbermaid container or something to yeah keep her from it. Yep, crazy dog. But Hoss, what time is it? It's time to wait for my dog to get diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna happen. But it's also time for the Video Struck Podcast, where we talk about video games every now and then uh, on this website. Uh, yeah. So today uh, we're gonna be talking about the Lord of the Rings games, but not. Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor, those recent ones, the ones that... Well, I mean, we will. Oh, we'll talk about those. But we're mainly going to focus on uh, the two, the EA games, the Two Towers, uh, and... Return uh, of the King. Return of the King. For the uh, PS2, Xbox, GameCube, and maybe it was on PC? Possibly on PC, maybe, as well. Uh, probably was. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today, uh, just to get people a real, you know... Get in the feel for like the Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor's sequel. Also, which it came out. It, it ties in a lot to uh, you know we've talked about Uncharted mm-hmm. um, and the Naughty Dog made uh, third person action games uh, yeah. and how they're set piece driven games. Yes, um, and really like I think Uncharted Two is like the genesis of the modern set piece video game. Sure, uh, Gears of War is informed by that a lot as well. Right, uh, they were pretty contemporary of one another. Right, uh, but I'm of the opinion that uh, we don't get to that point without uh, the Lord of the Rings movie games. Yes, which was just a weird concoction of movie games that were really good, but they were. <laughs> The funny thing about those games, they're about as long as the movies are. <laughs> yeah, and that's about it. Which, for a game, not exactly as extensive as a movie. <laughs> no, but they were so incredibly well made that right. you, if you were a big Lord of the Rings guy, it was yeah. worth it. Yeah. Because yeah. you were, at that time, you were paying like 40 bucks for a DVD or True. 50 bucks for a game. True, yeah. And, except you could play this movie. Yeah, you could play it. You could be uh, Legolas. That's you could be... Sword, sword, uh, sword guy. The <laughs> man with broken sword. Man with broken sword. <laughs> Aragorn. Uh, king of men. Anyway. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, so we're talking about that. Uh, before we get into that, let's get into what's going on in the news and stuff. And Yeah, we'll talk about news. Sure, let's get the filthy stuff out of the way. Uh, <laughs> So the Harvey Weinstein thing happened, which is not really what we're going to talk about. Really. No, no. But there is some fallout from all of that. Well, uh, it actually... Uh, the sort of affected the game industry. The thing that happened as a result of the Harvey Weinstein nastiness. Yes. Um, you know, that unspoken thing that was that's always been around Hollywood is that, yo, these people are really filthy. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, BuzzFeed put out a bunch of requests like, hey, you know, the movie industry's just been rocked by this. We know that this sort of stuff probably happens in other industries. We'd like to hear from you. Right. But also just a bunch of women from other industries, including the games industry. Mm-hmm. Even men, as well, in the games industry came forward and said yeah. that, like, hey, I... This kind of stuff happened to me. Right. You know, whether it's discrimination, harassment, mm-hmm. uh... The games industry, there hasn't been allegations of rape and extreme sexual assault sure. yet. Yet. Um, but, you know, like that kind of stuff, people in positions of power can tend to be pretty right. uh, dirty people at times. Yeah. Um, so that started to come out. I got really concerned um, when, right around the same time, the. Uh, uh, the developers of the Witcher games came out and put out a press release and said, like, hey, uh, we noticed a lot of really negative reviews about us on Glassdoor. Yeah. Uh, come to find out this is not related to that, but they also posted a big press release around the time of this, and they're like, yeah, like, we got a lot of people that worked on the Witcher and worked a lot of long, hard hours. Right. Because that game, right up until ship, was coming in hot. Right. Um, and they said, you know, we're still working on Cyberpunk. One of the reasons that you haven't seen anything on Cyberpunk is because uh, these games take a very long time to 
to make, but we're also right. trying to set up our processes so that we're not putting our people through that kind of stress again, mm-hmm. which was good to hear. It right. was them stepping out ahead of something like, yeah, like if you've got a shitty glass door, you know, mm-hmm. review score, like most people probably don't want to work for you. But right. uh, the dirtier side of this, uh, one of which had to do with Naughty Dog, yeah, uh, was an allegation from a former male uh, employee yeah. who worked there, I, I'm, I think from... 2010 to 2014, and then returned in 2016. Yeah, I think so. Um, He alleged that uh, when he left after 2014 to go to Ubisoft, uh, when he returned, he was placed on a different team, and in that period of time had been receiving, like, threatening and lewd phone calls from a boss. Yeah, yeah. Um, And other people were aware of this, Mm -hmm. and when he brought it up to management uh, and HR... He was fired the next day. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's... I'm sure this is a very evolving story. You know, this is still kind of happening in real time. So, you know, it's it's one of those, if you see something, say something kind of things. And yeah. It, one of the, the saddest things that happened in this is that, like, a lot of other women in the games industry stepped forward and said, like, you know, hey, I had similar things happen to me at different companies. Right. And the saddest thing about the internet that I saw happen is just people said, oh, you know, I need to see proof. Yeah. <laughs> Let the proper authorities see proof. Right, yeah. You're a fucking guy on the internet. Yeah. Leave these people alone. Yeah. Like, you know, it's... No, I agree. I, you know, I people agree People stepping forward in a unifying front saying, like... Right. Yeah, like, you know, if you're somebody that this has happened to, it happened to me, too, and nobody listened to me either. Right. It's probably good for other men and women to hear that. Yeah. It, it's not encouraging that other people said, like, <laughs> nobody else listened to me, but, yeah, right. you're not alone in this. Right. Uh, and to see the internet operate the way that the internet does yeah. and get really nasty about that. Man, I yeah. fucking hate the internet. <laughs> but I, I thought it was yeah. important just to say this, like that, you know, the the games industry is not an island unto itself. Right. Like a lot of the nastiest things mm-hmm. about corporate America, about entertainment, seem to still be here. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole thing about Hollywood and like it it's been there just sort of in the underbelly. I guess that it finally I don't know. It's one of those things that, you know, fervors happen. They just, like, sort of sprout up and, uh, you know, it, it really hit a peak at this point. And now everybody's kind of, like, checking their, you know, dotting their I's, crossing their T's, you know. And, uh, you know, hopefully good stuff will come out of it. Oh, yeah, it's hopefully like it's a march like, toward progress yeah. and not a march towards uh, yeah. a bunch of people setting up NDAs where you can't say anything right. about what happens <laughs> yeah, here. exactly. And, you know, because... Yeah. That's even darker. Yeah, uh, when yeah, you a little can, bit. Like, especially when you look at the Weinstein contract. Have uh, you ever read that crap? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's okay that you break the law so long as you pay this fine. No, <laughs> that's not how that works. But all right, but yeah. So uh, you know, uh, darker things. Uh, enlightenment. All Twenty that jazz. 2017, Twenty seventeen. Uh, just another story along the way that <laughs> continues to be the darkest timeline. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, violent crime's down, so we're okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was saying, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, moving along. Um, Visceral Entertainment. Shut down. Yeah, real sad story. Shut um, down Visceral Entertainment. Yeah, yeah Visceral, uh, you might actually know them as the company that had made uh, uh, games under the name Redwood Shores mm-hmm. uh, prior to them being changed to Visceral Entertainment. Yes. Um it was a really crafty rebrand, because uh, if you go through Redwood Shore's catalog, and I'm sure if you want to go ahead and pull that up and yeah. just start naming off uh, some hits that they had along the way, Redwood Shore's was kind of their Swiss Army Knife studio for the longest time, because Redwood Shore's is actually the home base for Electronic Arts. Right. So having right in their backyard this studio that could kind of do literally anything uh, was really important for them, because the guys in Canada made the Need for Speed games, and they made the Madden games, that's mm-hmm. where Tiburon is, that's also where Black Box was, and yeah. We're talking 10 years ago before these studios all started to change. Right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But then in L.A., you had EALA. That was all the Command & Conquer guys. Yeah. Uh, and then that was also a lot of the acquired studios that they picked up. They were around there. They also had their teams in Austin. Uh, but Redwood Shores was right there in their home base, and they made kind of a lot of stuff all across the map. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, did you get a list? Uh, yeah, it has it under visceral, but yeah, I got it here. So, um, got Future Cop, LAPD, mm-hmm. uh, Cyber Tiger. Sounds interesting. Cyber Tiger was a yeah. version of Tiger Woods. That oh, was yeah. for the PS1. It was super hyper-stylized. It was kind right. of their response to Hot Shots. Right, yeah. Uh, Tiger Woods, PGA Tour 2000. Uh, NASCAR Rumble, Road Rash, Jailbreak. Yeah. Uh, 007, Agent Under Fire. Uh, uh, divisive, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, here we are. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. They did Return of the King. Okay. Apparently. Uh, the Third Age, Lord of the Rings, The Third Age, James Bond, Everything or Nothing. Uh, a game that we loved on uh, one yeah. of our old-ass game episodes. One of our old-ass game episodes, yeah, Everything or Nothing. It was, was like, that. second or third game that we did. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty good one. Uh, James Bond 007 from Russia with Love. It was uh, a well-received one. That's where they got Connery to do the voice. Yep, yep. Uh, PJ 207, uh, t- The Godfather, My Sims, The Simpsons Game. Uh, I think that... Simpsons was, Game was good. Yeah, that was that... Uh, that GTA clone of it, right? Yeah. No, that's Hit and Run. Oh, oh okay, that's uh, Run. The Simpsons game was the big open world one, but that was for the 360 PS3. Oh, yeah. That was the really big budget one that was right around... It was fairly contemporary to the movie. Yeah, that's right. Okay. It wasn't a movie game, but it was of that era. Right, yeah. Uh, Dead Space, My Sims Kingdom, The Godfather 2, Dead Space Extraction, Dante's Inferno. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Divisive. Yeah, divisive game there. Uh, the Sims 3 Ambitions, Dead Space 2 and 3. Uh, Battlefield Three Endgame, Army of Two and uh, Army of Two: The Devil's Car- uh, Cartel, and Battlefield Hardline. So, uh, and when I said that they were their Swiss Army knife, you you heard a lot of mm-hmm. like they did the first Army of Two and the third Army of Two, right? Yeah, you know, they did uh, Dante's Inferno as kind of a one-off. Mm-hmm. They did the occasional Tiger Woods game, right? Occasional, they they the were the occasional this, Sims game, yeah. yes. Uh, and that whole My Sims line, believe it or not, on the Wii was very very successful for mm-hmm. them. Uh, that was a great platform to have your family-centric sort of game on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was. Uh, they were a really good studio for them for a very long time. And as life would have it, um, Amy Hennig, uh, who was working at Naughty Dog, ties into one of our other stories from earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, she departed the studio back yes. after the launch of The Last of Us. Right. Uh, well, actually, she left right after Uncharted 3. Right. Um, and went to EA yes. to work with Visceral. Uh, after a big departure from them, like after Dead Space 3 came out, a lot of that uh, creative staff and the Dead Space team moved on. Right. Um, and went to other places. Um, and they brought in Amy Hennig, and their goal was to make a narrative third person game. And uh, right as they started to make their Uncharted ish game, it's what it sounded like they were always going to be making. Sure. Um, that was right around the time that uh, Star Wars got the. Uh, well, EA got the Star Wars license. Right. Uh, so. And all they had shown like maybe three sh- uh, screenshots of it ever. It wasn't at E three this last year. I went I, even on the podcast. I think we went one of two ways. I said either it's a good thing mm-hmm. because they're just saving it for next year and don't want to overshadow Battlefront two, and that'll be their big game next year. Yeah, or that game might be in trouble. Right. Turns Sounds out. like the other. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> um, we're not sure if the trouble stems from the fact that that game didn't focus uh, test well internally if mm-hmm. people didn't like what they were seeing. Right. Uh, but also, if you read EA's uh, press release on this where they said that, you know, development for this game uh, has been halted at Visceral, they're shuttering the studio, right. and they're moving uh, development efforts for using a lot of the core assets of this game to EA Vancouver as well as some other worldwide studios. Right. They, they can shop a lot of this out internationally to maybe... Uh, cut budget yeah. a little bit, you know, sure. having a lot of people in Redwood Shores, California, got to be not cheap. Right. Um, but primarily in their press release, they said a lot, basically that thing read to me like, yo, we want this thing to be Destiny. Right, yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, having, if you're Sony and, you know, The Last of Us comes out or Uncharted comes out, it's a 8 to 12 hour single player game maybe you got a multiplayer in there uh, mode but for the most part you're not trying to sell extra content it doesn't matter right. because it's good for your platform right because yeah these games sell really well but it's also a big showpiece for your platform right. EA's not trying to sell you a platform they right. don't need a loss leader right what they need is something that can make them money consistently over time right and something that you EA is despite the fact that their sports games are still this way it seems like they're trying to pivot away from that annual installment yeah. form of structure right with the exception of Battlefield because they can do Battlefront one year Battlefield the next year yeah that works because it's two very different games mm-hmm. uh, that, granted it's still fucking Battlefield yeah <laughs> but it, it aims towards two different kinds of consumers uh, yeah so 
it's it's interesting, like especially since the pre- press release says so much without really saying a lot. Yeah. About you know wanting something that can be uh, reusable content, sure. th- things that players will want to come back to. Mm-hmm. It starts to read like loot boxes and stuff like that. I'm under the impression <laughs> that that's what Anthem is, right? Which is the new Bioware game, right? So, and then you've got Destiny out there, and I think this. And The Division, I'm sure there will be a sequel for that coming out. That's going to be a really crowded pond really quickly. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which and, typically happens in gaming, really. <laughs> it's like, what think everybody kind of jump on it, you know. But by the time this thing comes out, it's like, if you're a company right now who's sitting down talking about making a, a Player Unknown's Battlegrounds type of game, mm-hmm. by the time your game's done three or four years from now... yeah. That's probably not even going to be the thing. Granted, I've spent an entire year playing that. Yeah. But am I going to want to only do that three or four years from now? Right. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. You're um, move on to something else. The new hotness will always inevitably come out, and it just always will. Are so. you already? If a ball's bouncing down the street, chasing that one, are you missing the next one that, that yeah. hasn't even started bouncing? Exactly. Yet? Are, you, are you trend chasing, or are you trying to get above it? You know. And, and that's the thing that EA always was was a studio that would you know they were a company that would try to make the new thing. Right. Yeah. You know, Battlefield yeah. was the new thing. Nobody had ever done anything like that. That's right. why you know, sixteen years later, it's still the thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's you it still feels kind of new now. Yeah. Ah. <clears throat> yeah, they were always the studio that they were always always the studio that tried new things, tried to do like the new the new hotness and all that jazz. But uh, you know, uh, is there a sign that they won't be doing that with Visceral being gone? Or I mean, they have other studios, obviously. They so. will. It's just you know, it, for big budget AAA, I think there's never been a uh, there's never been a time in this industry where the big risks have been any bigger. Like yeah. I feel like this entire I'll generation, agree. I've been saying this more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see a what's weird is that like yeah, like there's a lot of big risks out there, but you look at something yeah. like Destiny, yeah, where they. They went all the way in. If that didn't work well, Activision was going to be in a very precarious position. Right. But that's the kind of shots you have to take now. Like, EA's already picked their big shot with Anthem. Yes. Destiny is is sort of an educated guess because, you know, it still had... That was peanut butter and chocolate. It's a huge name publisher with a lot of money. And the mechanics are very good in it. Yeah, going with a developer that can make a shooter really well. Yes. And the one chance that they took in it was their structure, which they did fail on in spots, but they've continued to hone to the point where Destiny 2 is now great. Right. I would argue that since the Taken King, the structure of Destiny has been totally fine. Right. Other people would argue that it's always been perfectly fine. Right. You just, you're an idiot. (laughs) You want to sit up in that spaceship and look for 40 minutes before you uh, it's so weird in Destiny <laughs> when like I, every time I've hopped back to orbit I've been yeah. like oh shit I didn't need to do that I just wasted time <laughs> like a lot of time yeah <laughs> like you don't yeah, need yeah. to do this anymore you idiot yeah 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 uh, but yeah I'm mm-hmm. I'm very sad to see Visceral no. go I yeah. think that they do incredibly great work yeah um and you know it's yeah. I, I think it is telling about the risk and the, the risk versus reward behavior of of uh, you know, of first developer parties because it's like you know it, it, it's a lot like Hollywood right now. Hollywood's suffering. They've got a lot of big movies that come out, but like uh, the new Blade Runner was supposed to be a huge hit, and it was like kind of modest, and that was like it. So you know, and like because of all the, I think people are getting fatigued with a lot of things, and well, you have to gauge that area. It, it's know? also like I think with these long era reboots that are still tied to a legacy thing and not just a complete reboot right you saw this with Tron Legacy Mm -hmm. that movie did well right yeah but I think if it was alone yeah it may have potentially done better yeah Star Wars is an outlier right it has to be tied to the old the original trilogy at least because that's the only part of it that was ever any good yes agreed period Yeah, <laughs> and you know it. And Star Wars is is an exception. It's evergreen, right? Like I understand that I love Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I really like the new Blade Runner. I'm, I'm sure it's 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 getting. That's the other thing is that it's getting critical review, like critical yeah. praise, which is not typical for these ones that are like big blockbuster movie, and then it just sort of like peters out because it's like 
it's not that great. Like, Alien Covenant. Like, people just kind of hated Alien Covenant. Yeah. I thought it was totally fine. That's what most people said, but, like, fine, I guess, wasn't what people wanted. Fine <laughs> doesn't pull $15 out of my pocket. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, it's interesting. So, I don't know. It, it, it's it's I'm, something. I'm, I'm sad to see Visceral go. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm also very... I, I've never been more unsure about the stability of mm-hmm. this industry. But here's right. the thing that I'll say when, you know, if... We lose many more big budget pub, uh, publishers. Right, we're going to start seeing ourselves in a very precarious position where first right. party companies are going to have to step up and start funding these developers. Right. to make games, which is going to segregate the industry more because it's going to make more exclusives. Yes, it's tricky. Yeah, like the the bygone era of pretty much everything, with a few exceptions, is on everything. Just mm. what box do you want to own? Sure could conceivably start to go away or you could start to see everything instead of the $60 box game one of two things will happen games become $90 right yeah and the loot boxy kind of shit goes away right or games become $30 $30. and they're just constantly bleeding cash off you yes um which I'd I'm of the opinion I'd rather pay the bigger money. Yeah. Like, for games that I truly want, like, I never blink when Forza says that'll be a hundred bucks. Right, yeah. Well, here you go. Right, because you really want that game. You're a fan of that series, so, obviously. If if companies are going to pass the cost off onto the consumer, they need to be mindful of the fact that you can charge whatever you want to charge, but your overall sales figures and your bleed over into popular culture will start Mm -hmm. to shrink. Yeah. It's like, you know, you see this in tabletop board games. Yeah. The best tabletop board games are typically the most expensive ones because they have tons of pieces and tons of lore and tons of shit for you to do. Mm -hmm. But when you start saying, like, it's not a $30 board game, you're talking $120 plus add-ons. Right. It starts, you know, your market for that game gets pretty fucking small. Your niche at that point. You're, You're the hardcore tabletop gamer. Uh, market. Those are the guys that are gonna pay. Like, oh, that looks amazing. I want. I'll pay 120 for that. You know, Tower of Dark Siege. You know, like kind of with all the freaking collecting pieces. It's, the issue that you run into with that is that typically what you have is you've got a group of friends that throw cash in, and like right. for our group of eight people, this is our game. Right. Yeah. I can't do that with a video game. Right. With all this DRM yeah. shit everywhere, <laughs> I can't fucking do that. Yeah. Pass the controller. It's my turn. Like you can't really. Not really. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't really work. So you know, it's uh, it's never been a weirder time mm-hmm. to be watching the video game industry. Yeah. And you know, I mean, got even sadder news for me personally. Like Harmonix cut like another fifteen people off. Like there's almost nobody left at that company anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like the guys who made Rock Band. Mm-hmm. It's effectively sounding like it's about over. Yeah. Does it? Do you think this is the bubble popping? Like, you think this is it? Like, like. Uh, um, I just think that game publishing mm-hmm. has never been easier for an independent developer. Yes, this is true. You know, the idea at Xbox mm-hmm. system, and yes. you know, Sony has their own initiatives for this. Mm-hmm. Where I don't need a publisher anymore if right. I make a game. I yeah. can independently publish thing uh, this thing on these platforms. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, just for those of you who may not be aware, Xbox Live Arcade on the Xbox 360. Right. The way that they doled those out is either one of two things. You either impressed Microsoft and they gave you a spot and you were published by Microsoft and they gobbled up, a, you know, a certain amount of your residuals off that. Yeah. Or you contracted another company who had slots Mm -hmm. and they would gobble up a certain amount of the proceeds for that. And if you're lucky, they'll pay a little bit of money to advertise for you. That's all the publisher did was they offered you something you had no access to. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I can just get on there, all I have to do is pay money for advertising and the cut that Sony, Microsoft or your publisher, whoever it is, is smaller than it's ever been for these companies. Right. So, for them, it's also, like, a big risk. Right. Because you don't... It, it's not Atari showing up your door saying, like, all right, so here's $400,000 for right. you to make a project, pay all your employees for the next three years, so when it comes out, you're good to go. Right. <laughs> and then you'll just get residuals from there. Right. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's assuming much more risk for these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, the 
the days of the towering publisher, I'm not sure what happens. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, your Maddens of the World, Call of Duty, Destiny, stuff like that. Like, you know, you've got your flagship stuff. Ubisoft has Assassin's Creed and, you know, the Tom Clancy stuff. Like, apparently Tom Clancy... Uh, Rainbow Six Siege yeah. is doing incredibly well. Yeah, that game is really rad. I want to play that game really hard. Well, and the weird <laughs> thing is that game's launched as a gimped, limp yes. product. Yes. And over the course of the last, like, 19 or 20 months, yeah. they've made it, like, a big, cool thing that yeah. people that are into it are well, really into it. it. It really is a brilliant way to do it. The, the, the release, like, basically, like, hero packages. It's almost like Overwatch in a way. It's that hero shooter type feel because each character has like different gadgets and they kind of have a different look and a different symbol and it's like it has that feel about it and but it's really cool looking like that game looks awesome uh, it's a solid strategic game and uh, I would love well, to play it and I've heard from people who really like the division that Ubisoft has done a really good job at that so what I would say mm-hmm. is like you know with games like Ghost, uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands and Rainbow Six and stuff like that Ubisoft has actually carved out a really interesting niche mm-hmm. where what they do is they or For Honor is another good example of this right. where they launch something and a lot of people are really interested at first, and they find out, oh, this is really specific and maybe not for me. Right. But what they do is they just keep talking to that person that bought it that really liked it. Right. And they just keep feeding them exactly what they want. Right. It becomes, you know, nonstop buffet for exactly what I want. Just keep giving me more of this, I'll keep giving you money. Right. And it becomes more of a service than a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I would not be shocked to see at a certain point, like, Rainbow Six Siege becoming Mm free-to-play, and you just buy the bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, like, when the sequel to Siege comes out, that could conceivably happen. Yeah. Siege is free. Sure. Just different heroes, different levels, Mm -hmm. and all this other stuff is what you actually pay for. Right. And I think that's where you're going to see big-budget AAA go, is that they can can do the loss leader of just get them in the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll pay. And then they'll pay through, yeah. Uh, you know, we believe, based on the quality of this product, that mm-hmm. they will pay. So, yeah. you know, EA is not alone mm-hmm. in the weirdness of this. And also, I, you know, I, I'm sure this has been echoed a lot of times on the internet. Uh, maybe if you're an independent studio, yeah, maybe don't sell yourselves to Electronic Arts. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't have yeah. the opinion of Electronic Arts that a lot of other people do. Sure, but when push comes to shove. You will be unemployed mm-hmm. if they deem it necessary for them to remain profitable. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say on it. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Uh, last bit of news, uh, Blaze, Blue, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle uh, has been announced for the Switch. Uh, so that'll be coming out uh, on launch with the Switch, which is great. Uh, that company, uh, what is that company? Uh, Arc is that System. Arc? Yeah. Arc System Works. Uh, they're... Uh, they're they're they're, they're the guilty gear people. Yes, guilty gear. Yeah. They're doing a lot. They're doing a lot of good stuff right now. Um, but that blaze blue that cross blaze blue cross tag battle. Uh, it's a merging of like different properties, all sort of like you know com- combined into it. Persona Four Arena characters yeah. are in there. Uh, you got the the Ruby RWBY characters. They brought them in. Uh, the Blaze Blue characters and Under Night in Birth. I don't know what that is. Uh, I think that's <laughs> actually like a one of those Japanese motion comic games. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, nice. yeah. And I think there's even going to be an appearance by a couple of King of Fighters people in yeah. that game, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah. think like Terry Bogard might be showing up. Or yeah, they, they've 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 speculated some Geese uh, Howard. Yeah, some SNK fighters might be. That would be cool. So um, yeah. One other thing, when it comes to the Switch, I'm, I don't know if you saw this report that came out, mm-hmm. but like all these. Games came out that are independently published games for the Switch right. over the last uh, few weeks. If you own a Switch and you've been looking at this, mm-hmm. uh, the Switch has become the de facto standard yeah. uh, for independent publishers because the the machine is just powerful enough to run really anything that's indie. Right. Um, you know, I mean, and obviously it can run some AAA shit. Doom comes out pretty soon and apparently runs well. Right. Which still blows my fucking mind. Shocker that that little um, thing can run. Every time I hear somebody had hands on with it and they're like, yeah, even at 30 FPS, this thing runs great. I'm like, I gotta see that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think I want to play Doom on a Switch, right? But I want to see it, right? Yeah, you want to definitely check it out. Um, but yeah, like the uh, uh, so there's been this huge cavalcade of independent releases that have dropped on the Switch, mm-hmm. and other than like two Nintendo titles, the top ten bestsellers list is all indie games. Yeah, which is nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, the company that made The Flame and the Flood. Mm-hmm. A game I really like on the PC. It's a very cool, like, uh, roguelike. Uh, it has the best fucking theme song I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. It's this uh, kind of southern soul blues kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, 
fucking look up the title track for that song. It's fantastic. Sure. First time I booted up the game, I'm like, well, I got to download that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, that company, that Flame of the Flood's been out for like two or three years. Right. They said when they the day that they launched on the Switch is the highest sales day they ever had. Right. So these independently published Switch indie games are selling really well. Right. Uh, yeah. Granted, these people are kind of starved for content. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's also quite a few things that they could be playing that's not just indie stuff. Right. Uh, and to dovetail off of that, Sony announced effectively the end of the Vita. Yeah. By saying they're going to be publishing games on the Switch. Yeah, that was big. Fuck. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that system, they haven't even announced it's dead yet. No, yeah, yeah. But they're already fucking the neighbor. <laughs> uh, yeah, so interesting interesting news for the Switch and everything. Uh, hopefully that Dragon Ball uh, Fighter Z game will come out as well, because I'm kind of stoked about has that. Has that been announced for the Switch? It has not. That's it's, just next it, gen, right? Yeah, it's just next gen so far, but there's speculation that they're working on it to come to Switch and that the Blaze Blue announcement is predecessor to the idea that it will be coming out. It will eventually come out on Switch, period. They know that, but on launch so far, no. It's only on PS4, Xbox, and Microsoft, or on Windows. So, well, the cool yeah. thing about that, though, is that even if it ends up coming out later, mm-hmm. like a couple of months later, yeah. they can double hit. Yeah. So true. if you buy it on the PS4 or the Xbox, yeah, yeah. man, it'd be really cool if I could take this thing to a party and then just like toss controller to somebody. Right. I'll buy it again. Right. Like, yeah. d- Namco Bandai mm-hmm. is yeah. not, excuse me, Bandai Namco, they Bandai rebranded. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. one of those companies doesn't make as much money as well, the other anymore. Y- you always used to call them Nandai Bamco anyway. Uh, Bamco Nambai? <laughs> Bamco Nambai. <laughs> Nandai. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the uh, uh, the opportunity for them to double hit people, I think, right. like it is uh, the yeah. siren song for that as well. Also, if they need a couple of months to make the thing run a little better, right? Take your time. Yeah, take because uh, like I yeah. I've never watched Dragon Ball. Right. I don't give a fuck about Dragon Ball, but every right. time I see a trailer for that thing, I'm like, that thing looks fucking fun, I know, I know, right? Because <laughs> I hate the Budokai games. Like I've always hated how they work and how they play. Never liked him, but I love... What about the Budokai Tenkaichi? Tenkaichi? No, and I don't really care for that. Nothing those. I want to do more than play a fighting <laughs> game behind the goddamn back. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, yeah, so, um, and I, but I love, I love the Guilty Gear system, so I'm super stoked about that. So yeah, hopefully that'll happen. But yeah, there we go. And my computer went to sleep. There we go. Uh, like, but there, um... Is all the news pretty much? Talk about what we played. Yeah, a little bit of what we played. We played some Evil Within two just before this podcast happened. Yeah, I, I've been yeah. Uh, tinkering around with this thing for the last few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Evil Within two came out on Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> uh, that was uh, a sequel to a game that was divisive, to put it lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bethesda published game by Tango Gameworks, mm-hmm. uh, a studio that was headed up by Shinji Mikami, yes. the Resident Evil man, the Resident Evil guy. You might know him, uh, who took. Took you from helicopter controls to the modern day third person shooter over the course of yeah. a billion games. Yeah, that over the uh, shoulder feel. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, Shinji Mikami actually stepped away for uh, Evil Within Two. He's not uh, the director of this one. Oh, okay. Didn't um, the I, I'm sure that he still had some part des- in it. Yeah. Design sure. informing on this, uh, but I think. Based on the the sales of the Evil Within, which were okay, mm-hmm. and the fact that this one doesn't seem to be lighting the world on fire sales wise, right? I think they thought Shinji Mikami's time might be better suited booting up another franchise, right? Uh, so that you don't have a studio that after two games is effectively sitting there holding their dicks, yeah, going yeah. like, "Well, what <laughs> well, do we do now? Do we start a new franchise?" Yeah. So I, I would hope that they were using Shinji Mikami to effectively boot up a new game because right. that guy's got experience in more than just Resident Evil. Yes. Uh, so it, it, I'm curious to see what happens. But as far as this game goes, I'm playing it on the personal computer. That version needs a little work if you're playing it in anything above 1080p. Yeah. Um, so I've got a 1080 Ti. I've also got a Ryzen 1800X that's overclocked, and the graphics card is overclocked. And It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> well, I'm, ju- I'm just letting you know that like this is a high-end system. I, right. I am running it in 4K. Right. Uh, and it... It's sixty-ish. Yeah, it, it there's it definitely dips. If you're somebody that can't deal with that, maybe bump bump it down to like medium or high. I'm running it on ultra. Yeah. Um, but the the biggest concern is that it sounds like pretty much on any kind of system, the game occasionally just has these hitches. They're not frame rate drops. Right. It just locks for a locks second for like, and then comes back. It's like half a second, and it's 
it typically happens when like a big moment's going yeah. on and it really breaks it. Like it and really what's funny is I have uh, MSI Afterburner installed and it's not like it's spiking VRAM. Mm-hmm. It's not spiking the CPU. Right. It just bottlenecks and then feeds through and then you're fine again. Right. Uh, so it's it's very strange. Uh, but the game, uh, let's just start talking about the game. The game yeah. looks great. Yes, it does. Um, it runs well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not perfect, and that's stuff that can be patched out. Yeah. Uh, I heard that the Xbox One version, if you're somebody that, like, if you have another option and you're not going to be buying an Xbox One X, maybe go another direction. Go another direction It's that. not terrible. It's better than the original game, so if you thought the original Evil Within was totally fine, performance-wise, yeah. or acceptable at best, right. um, then you're be, fine. Yeah, you'll be fine with um, that. The issue with, this one just suffers from frame rate dips and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's 900p, not 1080, and blah, blah, blah. Sure. The, the things you associate with an Xbox One port. Um, but the PS4 version's really well. It's not PS4 Pro optimized, mm-hmm. just FYI. So yeah. uh, if you put the thing in boost mode, the nice thing is it will lock at 30 FPS and never dip. Yeah. So that's cool. That's mm-hmm. a PS4 Pro enhancement, but apparently they're looking into that stuff as well as Xbox One X support. Yes. Uh, but the PC port uh, looks great. The the game takes place after the original game, as you would assume. It's not a prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, the company... All right, so Here's a little bit of spoiler stuff, but I'm not going to go too far into it. Effectively, Mobius... Mm-hmm. The company that's their umbrella stand-in, yes, comes back and they they take Castianos. Yeah, they were the evil faction from the first game, and basically you have to work for them, right? Uh, because come to find out, the 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 center of their giant machine that's supposed to you know defy disease and all this other stuff and make the world a better place, uh, <laughs> their center core mm-hmm. is your dead daughter. Who's ah. not dead, they just kidnapped her. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so you effectively have to go and try to rescue her and all this other stuff. And uh, yeah. they're definitely not going to free her from the machines. No, I don't no. know what the hell you're supposed to do. <laughs> uh, but something tells me that at a certain point they're going to try to go evil on you and you'll try to escape. And maybe your daughter will die and then you'll just be really angry. And <laughs> so that for the third movie you'll be really, really angry. You'll be so mad. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I think the game's great. Like the uh, very Resident Evil 5-ish as far as like the the white goop from the trailers yeah, yeah, yeah. comes out of people's heads and shit like that. It's yeah. uh, it's very Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 5, like, oh. mutation-y kind of stuff. Yeah, very reminiscent of the weird head crab things that people have, you know. And so. people that are familiar with the original game, uh, the opening cinematic where, like, the world's bending on top of each other and the world's all segregated and stuff like that. Yeah. All that, like, almost Inception-y looking uh, imagery that they used. Yeah. That stuff is totally back, except it's much more integral to the game, the open world portions of the game design. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that there will just be like huge portions of the world that are, that's just floating over fucking there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you got to figure out ways to do that kind of stuff. It's not platforming, it's just more like puzzle solving kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but the game's very trippy. You're kind of drifting in and out of forms of reality and stuff like that because you're in this computer yeah. simulation thing. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. I like it. It's, uh, if you like survival horror, I mean, it is October. Yeah. It has cool imagery about it. Like the big buzzsaw lady thing, that thing was cool looking. I like Spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen that thing yet, but it's like, well, Lady Buzzsaw, you're yeah. really not saying anything. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, but yeah. you know, the, the one thing that we kind of thought about as soon as like I was going in building interiors is like yeah. these rooms kind of look a lot like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, but at night. <laughs> they did. It looked like nighttime Player yeah. Unknown. You know, every bathroom just has the same bathtub <laughs> and uh, dirty toilet. Right. Yeah. Win- uh, mirror that doesn't work. Some <laughs> yellow glowing shotguns on the ground. Might want to pick those up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was uh, there's a vest oh. over here. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah. Level two pants. Ooh. <laughs> uh, that game's awesome, though. I like yeah. it. Cool, yeah. And uh, we played, uh, this leads into what we're talking about uh, for the main topic. Uh, played a little bit of Shadow of Mordor, or Shadow of War. Yes. Sorry. Uh, Shadow of War, the Shadow of Mordor uh, sequel uh, to Shadow of Mordor. It's uh, basically more of that same game uh, with some Nemesis stuff and some. I don't know. You got some Titan power from Destiny Two in there too, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, like big charge attack stuff that's uh, much yeah. more flourishy than it was in the past. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'm really cool. liking Shadow War so far. Uh, it's viciously hard, like you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, PC version looks seem great. Yeah, uh, like I've heard that for the new systems, like PlayStation Four Pro and Xbox One X, mm-hmm. uh, that the high resolution, higher quality uh, preset stuff is awesome, and that yeah. it still looks you know just as good as it did. Yeah. Uh, for Shadow of Mordor on the older system. So, mm-hmm. like, kind of the nice thing about this, no matter where you play it, it sounds like it's really rad. Yeah. Um, you know, the the things that I'm sure everybody's very familiar with is that the back end of this game with the microtransaction kind of stuff to 
get the true ending and all that. Yeah. Uh, kind of sucks. Kind of sucks, yeah. Um, <laughs> and here's the thing that I'll say that's, like, probably, like, the... It's going to sound bad. Mm. 2014 was kind of a shitty year for video games. Right. So Shadow of Mordor was given front and center coverage yeah. because there wasn't a lot else to play that was truly great. Right. That game was my game of the year that year. Yes. This game will not be my game of the year this year, despite right. the fact that this is probably a significantly better game. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, I do like... Uh, Shadow of War, uh, if you're somebody who was uh, pre predispositioned mm -hmm. to enjoy that game, right. uh, you're not going to have a bad time with it. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I think specifically open world games, there's been so many this year yeah, that I think deserve more attention. And there's something to be said about a new experience. Like, yeah. when you have something that's like a brand new experience, like, you're, when you just try to recreate that, even if it's a good recreation of it, yeah. it's still something you've already ridden before. So it's hard to it's hard to encapsulate that into something that's uh, you know that's brand new. Yeah, it's like going to Kings so. Island and riding the beast for the second time. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, just like I mean, it was fun the second time too, but yeah. it wasn't like my first time. You know, yeah. it just doesn't work. You know. So, hard to capture that. While I do think that they've made tons of improvements, the base uh, stuff is really cool. The mm -hmm. building the army stuff is really cool. Yeah. Uh, the interactions that you have with the orcs are always really funny. Like, mm -hmm. the amount of dialogue yeah. they made for these guys. Because yeah. what's crazy that you'll notice if you play the game mm -hmm. is that they have... Tons of strains of dialogue that are tied directly to your story progress. Yeah. And if you met them before. Yeah. They so, have. and then they weave that dialogue together. <laughs> yeah, because they have the nemesis thing, too. If you've, like, yeah. if you've met this guy before and you totaled, totaled his villages or took out his forces or whatever, he's going to... Have a he's gonna have a hate heart on for you, and like he's gonna say something to you about uh, it. So. What's really cool is that this time they actually bring uh, orcs back from the dead. Oh yeah, I killed one guy, and he I found him again, yeah. and his head was crudely stapled back onto his body, <laughs> and they changed his name to the same name, but the dead, the undead. That's awesome. And he just looked at me, he's like, "Oh, you think you killed me last time?" <laughs> and, uh, you just gave me a gurgling effect in my voice. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fucking good. Like, I saw a video of an orc uh, that, like, damn it, I want to find him. Like, I've yeah. got a buddy who's played, like, 50 hours and hasn't found this guy. Sure. He's a bard. Oh, yeah? He just walks around playing a loot and then pulls out an axe and tries to murder you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. They, got, they had fun with that. Yeah, yeah. Did they bring douche back? <laughs> uh, I have not seen douche. douche. Uh, the sad thing about this is that since I'm not playing on the Xbox, I yeah. can't pull in my save. Yeah. Because you can actually pull in one nemesis from the previous game. Oh, wow. So, Interesting. You gotta pull in douche, And right? the only time I ever saw douche was on the Xbox. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Douche. Douche. That's super good. Oh, douche. Anyway, but yeah, that's Shadow of War. Uh, I have uh, sure. two other things to talk about. And okay. I'll make these quick hits. Okay. Uh, I have played Gran Turismo Sport, mm. and I have played Forza Motorsport 7. Ah, yes. You love your racing games. Forza Motorsport 7 mm -hmm. is exactly what you think Forza Motorsport 7 is. Yeah. <sighs> Let's just... Forza is exactly what you expect it to be. That's yes. Uh, so yeah. Forza is exactly what you expect it to be. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing about that, uh, I think the I've been using the cross-platform play quite a bit. Because mm -hmm. um, lately I've kind of just been wanting to sit on my couch a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, having company over, not just sitting in front of my computer sweating. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Which is funny because, like, you know, my TV on my desk is almost as big as the TV on the wall. Right, and yeah, yeah. The couch is right next to don't worry about it. I've been sitting on the couch playing that a bit on the Xbox, and mm -hmm. the uh, the transfer play continues to be better. Um, like, this hasn't encountered a lot of that weird Cuphead save stuff uh, right, that yeah. was hitting that uh, Windows Store version of that game. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, it, it runs really well. Like, even on moderate systems, getting it to run at 1440 or 4K right. uh, at uh, an acceptable frame rate, because it does dynamic resolution, uh, yeah. is really easy. Um, and also, like, the Xbox One X version is apparently fucking rad. Yeah. Uh, true 4K, 60 FPS, all that kind of stuff that you yes. want. Uh, the, the place that people have been throwing a lot of shade at that thing for is mm -hmm. that that game, uh, 
it locks you to tiers mm-hmm. for cars that you can buy. Sure. So it's like these are the, and it's not even necessarily like A class, B class, C class cars. Yeah. It's like no, this is the cars that we all deem to be in tier one, and you'll have like some pretty fast cars in there. But it's like the shitty version of the fast car. <laughs> so what you do is you have to buy cars mm-hmm. to level up that tier to unlock the next tier. So you end up having to buy cars, and, and for some people it's buying cars they don't necessarily want to get to the next tier. Uh, and you can bypass that by giving them money. Yeah. And my argument for that is why do you want to pay money to play less of a game? Right. So, it, granted, I'm not at the end of the progression or anything, but like that's kind of my, my mm-hmm. thoughts on it, but... Sure. I just want to play the most of that game that it will let me play. So none of that stuff really bothers me, and I don't care to drive the slow cars. Right. Like, you know, I'm driving a 70 Cuda right now. It's bad fucking ass. <laughs> uh, you know, and it for me, like, I think that Forza is just the natural evolution of this thing. Like, the this is the first mainline game to be on the PC. Mm-hmm. They did that Apex edition, that basically a demo yeah. of 6, uh, and this is much less CPU intensive. They, they obviously understand the PC platform a lot more. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's a great game no matter where you play it. Even on the original uh, Xbox One or the S, uh, the game runs fantastic. It's still 1080p, 60fps. Right. Um, and it's got over 700 cars. Right. And if you get the uh, the DLC and the day one stuff and you know all that other things, it ends up being like 800 cars. Jesus. It's nuts. It's a lot of cars. Um, now I played Gran Turismo Sport. Right. I don't know what this video game is. <laughs> what it's trying to be, or is it just... Yeah, uh, here, yeah. I'll get this out of the way. I'm okay. playing this on a regular PS4. I don't have a pro. Right. But this game is gorgeous. Right. Better looking than Forza? I, I don't know. You're splitting hairs. Right. Uh, sure. But they're, they're both, like, the best-looking games on their respect, respective platforms, so it doesn't fucking matter. Sure. <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, the uh, Gran Turismo Sport looks super good. It doesn't have a campaign. Hmm. It's kind of only an online game. Interesting. And the online stuff's really weird. Like, mm. they, they're they trying to set it up like an eSports league. Oh, interesting. So, like, every 20 minutes, here's when the next heats are. And huh. if I show up and the heats have already started... You can't get it. You just hang game. out. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. And also, like... What's the one thing that Gran Turismo's always been known for? A shitload of cars. Yeah, lots of cars, yeah. This game has 125 cars. Hmm. They look great. Yeah. But that's not a lot of cars. (laughs) I mean, it is to somebody who doesn't know the genre, I guess, but... Yeah, and that was... It's it's weird. It's the opposite. But when you of, have Forza with eight hundred versus, <laughs> well, and it's the opposite of what we've had for the last couple of generations with sure. the Forza stuff. Is that yes. like, oh yeah, Forza's got fantastic looking cars. They were the first ones to do the in car cams, mm-hmm. like the fully rendered cars, all right. that uh, asset generation stuff that made it look photorealistic and everything. Sure. Uh, and then, but Gran Turismo was like, but we have all the cars, right? Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. The guys at Turn 10 are offering a game that has all the cars yeah. and the games fully featured. And right. then Gran Turismo Sport is this thing that, like, yeah, it drives amazingly. Right. And it looks incredible. Right. But it's kind of impenetrable. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, oh, man, it's a weird thing. I'm going to huh. continue to tinker around with Gran Turismo Sport. Yeah. But outside of, like, eSports people, I don't know who this game's for. Right, yeah. And then they're going to be setting up all of these, like, tournaments everywhere. And, like, oh, you know, Tuesday starts the new season. And all this other stuff. And without, like, a traditional single-player thing to fall back into, like, I... Don't know why you would have it around waiting for the seasons. I don't know how this isn't a Gran Turismo prologue. Yeah. Because that was effectively all Gran Turismo Prologue was, was just here's the big multiplayer thing that'll give you a taste for the real Gran Turismo. Right. Like, when it comes out, yeah. Yeah, I feel like you're going to get to the end of an esports season and it'll be like, ah, like, you know, uh, you know the, the true boss will finally reveal himself <laughs> and then we'll see its ultimate form. Like, I, I don't know what the hell Gran Turismo Sport is. Right, yeah. But it's, if you're somebody who owns a PlayStation and you don't like Project Cars... It's yeah. your best, and you're not opposed to online play. Mm-hmm. Gran Turismo Sport's your best option. Right. It's also one of the best looking games on the damn planet. There you go. Uh, 
So there's my racing corner. Racing corner! Hosses, racing corner. Sorry. Um, there we go. Uh, let's talk about Lord of the Rings games. Let's talk about uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Or no, not Fellowship. No. Two, towers. Two Towers and uh, Return of the King. Yes. So, yes. Are we talking about the Third Age at all? Uh, or is that more... A different animal. Uh, that's something that uh, that's more of a traditional JRPG. Yes. Uh, so we won't really talk about that one. Cool. But uh, right. I kind of wanted to focus on these. Yes, the two towers. Uh, uh, these were games that were published by Electronic Arts. Electronic Arts scooped up the rights for this franchise in a really interesting way. Oh yeah. Uh, they only got the rights to make games based off the two towers and Return of the King. Yeah. Another company had the rights to do The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring. Right. And those were not good games. No. <laughs> so, and this is right around the height of, like, YA sucks uh, era. So This was right around the time that they killed the Ultima franchise uh, with Ultima 8. Like, they, they were in bad terms with a lot of people, with a lot of nostalgic... Uh, you know, terminology. Yes, when Origin Systems yeah. and, yeah, like, there, there were a lot of companies that were scooped up under the EA umbrella that, yeah. uh, you know, and, sadly... And they ruined it all is what they did. Yeah. You know, uh, they didn't keep people employed or anything. But anyway, uh, but moving on. Uh, so, yeah, what, what, what was interesting about these games in, in, in essentially in the grand scheme of video gamedom, I would say. The interesting thing about, like, the uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, and Return of the King is that they're essentially the forebear to what's seen as the modern-day cinematic mm -hmm. set-piece action game. Yeah, the Uncharted's. Uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Gears of War with their, like, mm -hmm. you know, hold down a button to look at this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah. The, uh, the Tomb Raider series, the new Tomb Raider series, very much in that Very way. good example yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of uh, very linear, but give you the window dressing of <laughs> something more. Yes. Like, all I'm doing is running down this path and killing men, yes. but there's a war going on all around me. Yeah. Uh, that game was very good at simulating warfare. Right. Uh, and it also did it, while looking incredibly well, across a broad range of platforms. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there was even, like, Game Boy Advance versions of this. Granted, I'm, I'm sure that Game Boy game doesn't hold up. <laughs> uh, but this kind of went everywhere because Lord of the Rings was a phenomenon. Yes. So when it came time for EA to make a game on the Two Towers and Return of the King, movies that were bringing in billions of dollars at the box office and on DVD, mm. and nobody could stop saying the phrase Lord of the Rings, yeah. you know, they were there to capitalize on that. And it, it really showed, and they put forth an effort yeah. Uh, to do that. Like, you know, say what you will about Star Wars Battlefront when it came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. But Electronic Arts knew that they needed something that captured the look of the films because people were in the process of going to the movie theater to watch the film because of how it looks. Yes. Nobody gives a shit about what Star Wars is about. <laughs> it's about the way it looks. Yeah. And I will, I will stand on that hill until I fucking die. <laughs> and it's the reason why I continue to go to Star Wars movies. I go right. watch every one of these things, even though most of them are kind of like, eh. It's because they look badass. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing about Lord of the Rings is that even if you're not into fantasy, you look at Lord of the Rings and you go, this thing looks bad fucking ass. Mm -hmm. And these games did a really good job of setting up the modern game scene for these third person hack and slash, like kill these guys so that a cinematic moment happens. happens. The wall breaks down because yeah. uh, orcs shoot a giant boulder there mm. and then Rawr! guys come pouring over the hill. Yeah, yeah. And it's... It's one of those games that, like, I I would like... To, I've got a copy of that. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to, us to do a video of at some point, just because I think yeah. it's a good time capsule, because you'd be surprised. Uh, there's a lot of button mashing in here. Yeah. There's a lot of that... God of, and this is pre-God of War 1. There's yeah. a lot of that God of War-y kind of uh, Dragon's Lair sort of button mashing sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, this thing is... These games are very ahead of their time, and they're also... The crazy thing about them, they were a $60 box product... That wasn't much longer than the movie, right? Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, it's like uh, very interesting that it, that they took that route of like being basically the cinematic size of uh, the movie experience and also recapsulating what was in the movies. You know, 
Uh, yeah, they retold that story completely, and they got all the likenesses for the entire cast, and mm-hmm. they did a, uh, this is one of the earliest cases of, they didn't do direct capture mm-hmm. for performance capturing, right? but they did a polygon by polygon mesh yeah. of these characters' faces, Yeah, and they look exactly like they're supposed to. Yes, it's like they're wearing a... Uh, skin Tex- a yes. Texas Chainsaw Masker skin suit, <laughs> but it is like for, for the time, it's really it's really good graphics. Honestly, like for the time of two thousand and two, I mean, come on, you know, we're right at the turn of the century here. <laughs> uh, you can't expect to have it. It is it is a testament to how much games have improved over the last fifteen years. But like graphics wise, yeah. it's kind of shocking, honestly, when you look at it. Uh, but yeah, these are the templates of that sort of uh, that sort of feel. Uh, and I think that's interesting. Um, well, and, you know, like, motion capture data, like, uh, visual effects, like, all this stuff, they actually plucked a lot of the uh, the graphical effects directly from the engine that they were used to make the special effects for the film. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff, they actually transplanted assets from the real game, uh, yeah. from the real film. Right. So when it came to the CG scenes in the game that they were making, the way that the, uh, the orc AI routines yeah. were the same as the ones in the movie in a lot of cases. Yeah. Which is very cool because it, even now, like I haven't seen a 4k copy of this. I don't even know if Lord of the Rings has come out on that, but right. like in the two towers, when they're getting ready to, was it Helm's deep or whatever Helm's deep. Yeah. Uh, when they're yeah. getting, they do these swooping camera shots mm. over that. And if you look down, you can see orcs. They're just kind of like doing shit and they're all doing something different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This game does a lot of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. And for the time, I mean, granted this is on standard definition televisions and right. I'm sure my reality is about to be fucking tortured whenever we go and boot this thing up. <laughs> but I remember that being fucking impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, at, at a turn of the century type of game at two thousand and two, you know, I, I, it, it's an interesting time capsule to to look at polygon, you know, that that polygonal look of of framework of characters and everything. It, it's very interesting to see now we have that sort of meshed. Everything looks like a real person standing there. Yeah, with like real performance it, capture so. has completely changed game development. Yeah. I would say in the wake of L.A. Noir, yeah, the that game just being such a watershed moment for video games at the time it was right you know it and everybody kind of questioned at the time when la noir came out is this that moment where the where the wave breaks and then it just recedes back into the water like will nobody ever spend the money to do this kind of performance capture ever again yeah and uh ea chose not to publish the first one the fellowship of the ring uh but they did incorporate plot points Yes. from that movie into this they one. They just couldn't uh, say. They just couldn't say it that it was from that, but uh yeah, but because uh, I think uh, Vivendi, Vivendi was the uh yes. the company that had the uh Fellowship of the Ring games. So, uh their adaptation of the of the novel. So, yeah, it's interesting. The only Lord of the Rings game that I've played, well, it's not a Lord of the Rings game. I played The Hobbit on the on N sixty four, which was before the movies were even out. I think. Oof. Oh, that was way before. Yeah, and it's real hot garbage. That. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like there was an era of what I consider to be light fantasy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the Fellowship of the Ring game, the Hobbit game, the Bard's Tale. Yeah. Like this whole era of like late PlayStation one, early to mid PlayStation two mm-hmm. uh, era of light fantasy. I didn't get back into fantasy games at all. Right. From like, you know, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2 until I would say Dragon Age. <laughs> yeah. And because that's when hard fantasy came back. Like The Witcher. I like hard fantasy. Right. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, I like the Elder Scrolls stuff is good, but it's always so goofy. Right. Like I like fucking I want grim. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you want some you want some grit to it. You know some you know some grittiness to it. Uh, like the on. only yeah. moments of smiles I want to erupt on my face is when somebody walks up to me and goes, Oh you a witcher and I'll be like oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I am a witcher. Where's the where's the thing that he's killing? Where's the bollywog you want me to kill? <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I I really like these games. I would like to do a a, a video on these because, you know, I I think in a comparison of over the years, this is where the high watermark for a franchise was, and then here's Shadow of War, here's the current one. Mm-hmm. And my question is, alright, so for Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor, the Tolkien estate, 
through Warner Brothers, has allowed them to completely effectively rewrite this fiction. Right. The, the opening cinematic for Shadow of War is, okay, uh, we need to forge a new ring. Bam, we have a new ring. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was... Like, it's like 30 seconds into the cinematic, he's like, we need a new ring. Yeah. Somebody has a ring on it. Like, oh shit! <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> Granted, that was the end of Mordor. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the the interesting thing is that, like, you can see with the current Star Wars stuff that EA is doing. Yeah. The kind of thrust that they're putting behind all that Star Wars stuff is exactly what they did with Lord of the Rings. Right. Because even after Return of the King, uh, Visceral went on, well, Redwood Shores at this time, went on to make The Third Age. Right. I believe that uh, that was handed off after them to uh, EALA. They made Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth and Middle-Earth 2. That was uh, strategy games. Mm-hmm. So that was like Command and Conquer type stuff. Right. But they also handed it off to Pandemic mm-hmm. uh, to make basically Battlefield, but Lord of the Rings, it was called Lord of the Rings Conquest. Right. So they were just pumping a lot of money into, just like now with all the Star Wars stuff, like here's your Battlefront game that's just Battlefield, yada, yada, yada. Right. All this Star Wars stuff that's coming out now is exactly what they did for Lord of the Rings. What are the things that we do well? Yeah. We have an engine that does this. Yeah. Make a game using this. This. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we have a team that can do this. Here and, is this team. Yeah, and as you said, we're, we're talking about the, the, the cinematic type games and everything, and that was the direction they're going with Star Wars with the Visceral game. The Star Wars Visceral game, which is now in trouble. And we can no because, longer do that. Yeah, because Visceral's being shut down, so I don't know. Like It could be handed off to another game, you know, another studio or whatever, but... Yeah, that, that got canceled out, so... I'm, I'm curious about one thing, like, when it comes to the Star Wars stuff. Like, alright, so, the Titan uh, Titanfall developers, mm-hmm. their next game is a Star Wars game. Right. What is that? <laughs> I'm curious. Right. Like, I, these guys have not done me wrong. From all their Call of Duty stuff, their Medal of Honor stuff, the mm-hmm. Titanfall stuff, yeah. these guys have not led me wrong. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see what that thing. Titanfall is. Two is so solid. I need to get that game. If I, if I get when I get my PC, I'm going to get Titanfall Two. That game just it's twenty bucks. Well, too. you don't have to. Yeah. What oh, you can do is if you pay thirty bucks a year for uh, EA Origin. Oh yeah. You get all their games that are in uh, in the vault. So you get all the Crisis games, Battlefield One, Battlefield oh, nice. Three, Battlefield Four, like yeah. everything for a year. Thirty bucks a year. Nice. It's their Netflix thing. Huh. So and also whenever one of their new games comes out, you get the first eight hours of it. Yeah. You can play it for free a weekend before it comes out. Well, geez, that's pretty uh, right. Then when it comes out, you got to buy it, but they give you a discount and stuff like that. So I've actually, right. uh, since I built this PC, I've been doing all this Origin Access stuff, so right. I've been playing Crisis 3. You want to hear the craziest thing in the world? Crisis 3 came out like five years ago. It still doesn't run very good. <laughs> it's weird. It's like that game ran bad on purpose. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, you know, back to the... Uh, you know, back to the Star Wars stuff, like, the other interesting thing that, like, I hope could be an interesting wrinkle... Uh, for the Star Wars stuff out of uh, out of Electronics Arts is that all the flying stuff that's mm-hmm. in Battlefront right. is made by Criterion, the Burnout guys. Mm. I would like to see them make a dedicated flight game from those guys. Right. Like, that's just, here's our Rogue Squadron. Here's yeah. our TIE Fighter. Here's our X-Wing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also, I just want to see Criterion make games again. <laughs> Come on. They're, Remember when they made games? <laughs> Remember when they made some of the best games ever? <laughs> what are they doing now? Are they just petering about? Making no. this. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. Well, a lot of the people that used to work for that franchise either left. Yeah. Or they went to Ghost Games to make the current Need for Speed games. Like, Need for Speed right. Payback comes out in, like, a week. Uh, so we'll see how that game is. Right. Uh, that looks like that's their Fast and the Furious but Need for Speed game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so that's about all I have to say about that. I just want to talk about these just because I think mm-hmm. the legacy of these games is so emblematic of what Electronic Arts does. Yeah, yeah. What, was there a Lord of the Rings fighting game? I feel like that was a thing. Uh, there was a Star Wars one. There was Master of Terrascasi. Yeah, but I think there was, like, going to be a fighting game for it, and it got canceled. What was that? I know there was an MMO. Oh, man, because it was, it was, uh, was it War of the Ring? I think that might have been it. I don't know. I can't remember, but yeah, I remember it being, I remember it vividly as a, as a, um, an E3 trailer, and that's the only thing I remember it. <laughs> well, if you remember what this game is, just yeah. uh, message at Video Destruct or myself on Twitter. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, guys, I think that's going to do it for our talk of uh, the Lord of the Rings games. Um, this weekend, uh, we are doing our live stream. Yes. 
uh, for what's the charity? Sorry, uh, Norton Children's Hospital. Norton Children's Hospital. We usually do it for Corsair, so I'm, I, I keep messing that up. So yes, yes, Norton Children's Hospital. Uh, yeah, we'll be doing a live, 24 hour live stream. Uh, you can go to extralife dot org org uh, slash team slash video destruct. I think I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. or uh, just search for video destruct. Yeah, just go to extra life uh, extra dash life dot org uh, yes. and search for uh, team one word video destruct. Yes, uh, and you'll find us. You'll find uh, uh, you'll find Haas there. You'll find Gus. And, yeah, uh, uh, we're we're really excited about it this year. I've got a lot of really fun stuff planned. Yes, um, I'm gonna haul my big stupid rig over to Eric's house. Mm-hmm. There, uh, during the evening hours, there's going to be a party going on in this house that yes. I will not be participating in. <laughs> Uh, there will be a party going on. Uh, probably get some special guests from the party <laughs> driving in. So might see some people in costume. Don't know, uh, but we'll see. Um, My lovely yeah. and beautiful girlfriend will be there. Yes. Uh, she's going to be pl- forced to play a horror game yes. uh, with Eric's girlfriend. So that yes. will be fun. Yes, Heather will be playing a horror game as long uh, along with your girlfriend. That will be awesome. I can't wait for that. I will definitely be there for that time. Definitely. So most deaf so yeah uh it should be a good time guys um uh yeah go check us out that weekend and again uh you can donate even after that we'll be stream we're streaming pretty regularly now yeah uh Haas is streaming regularly uh and eric's got a pretty regular weekly regular run too eric's so. finally got the internet to do it so yes. uh yeah so, me and him have been streaming some battlegrounds yeah and- so i'm thinking we're gonna probably have like a scheduled like every some odd day we might actually schedule say we're gonna stream every yeah. day on this and then people will know yeah so that'll be fun uh yeah so that for all the dnn listeners out there if you want some streaming if you want some video game stuff come check it out uh we love that stuff and please come donate you can also you know uh you can check out the information i got flyers up at the destination so if you shop at the destination uh you'll have all the information there and uh yeah so guys uh, for the children it's for children every time this is like the thing we always do so uh and this will probably be like our break because we're going into holidays now. Yeah. Uh, this will probably be our break from the podcast. We might do a few here and there. Yeah, and we'll some, have some quick hit kind of things. Yeah, and we'll have some video content as well during this time. But uh, we're going to probably wait till like beginning of the year next year, and Mo Haas will go over his best dubs and everything. Yes. So all intents and purposes, this might be our kind of our last one this year. We might do a little few smaller hits yeah. later on. But uh, this is probably our last podcast for the year. Uh, check us out uh, for next year and everything. So yeah. we'll have all of our best of 2017. Uh, yeah, ready. and just follow us on Twitter. Yes. Uh, so that's where uh, you'll know whenever we go live yes. uh, on Twitch. That's also uh, where you'll get info on, you know, if you're mm-hmm. not a subscriber of the yes. podcast but just like to download it here and there, mm-hmm. that's when you'll know when we got new episodes out. So just uh, follow at Video Destruct and follow me. On Twitter. on Twitter, yes, at Hoss H O S S underscore Buddy. Uh, I talk about video games all the time and wrestling, and avoid politics constantly, which is amazing on Twitter, quite honestly. Uh, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> of that. Uh, but yeah, we avoid politics. Don't don't worry about pol- political no. rants. Uh, there we go. But that's going to do it for our episode of Video Struck Podcast. We're out of time. We gotta go. We're out of time. Maybe we'll see you next year. Maybe. Thank you for listening, DNN.